to be back. We did drive felt quicker this morning. You know, the first time you come some, somewhere, go somewhere, and you're like, when am I going to get there? Today was a little quicker. It felt quicker. Same amount of time, but it felt better. You know how that is. Um, so thank you for uh, having me back again. It was a privilege to be with you all. Um, I'm just really enjoying uh, this, this, this awesome worship you have. Let's clap it up for our worship team this morning. Amen. Did a great job. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, and we thank God for the sound team back here again. The working in. Yes, clap it up. Come on. You can't see him, but you would not hear me more than if they were not back there. So we give God praise for them. Um, I just wanted to mention, I didn't mention it last week, but we love what we do at the college campus. And if it's your first time meeting, my name is Jerry Knighton. Um, usually when Tyler Marketer comments, I sing him, but it's Knighton. And uh, <laughs> I want to uh, just let you know that I am a, uh, as my friend was saying a little bit, a little while ago, college missionary. I get to serve at the University of Arkansas in unique ways as the Protestant chaplain and also as a pastor of the collegiate church plant on campus. Um, my job is to help me find meaningful community live on mission and to prepare to impact the culture for Christ for decades to come. I get to do that in the church. It's amazing. My goal is to see the gospel impact every part of the culture. Um, so that's what we do, and that's what we and we love college students. My students hate hearing me say this, but they're delicious, and you may know it. And we love college students. We believe that God has life-changing results shaping plans for their lives in Christ. And so that's what we get to do. I forgot to mention last week that we have a podcast that we usually recently launched. So if you would like to listen and keep up with what's going on, it can be found on all uh, uh, podcast outlets, uh, Google, Google Play Store, Apple. Um, we really, we're doing it for two reasons. The podcast, that is, is because we want other people to go to college campuses and uh, reach them for Christ. 77% of our nation's uh, college campuses, both university and uh, community colleges, don't have a ministry or a lone minister of their ministry. So that's a lot of places that we're sending our students that don't have a place for them to form a continued global relationship and, and formation and spiritual formation of Christ. And the second thing is we want to help people who love us to keep up with us to hear uh, what's going on. We have an audacious goal this semester to reach, to share the gospel with 400 students um, by May 13, 2011 is the maximum. We're counting it because some if not a number, exceeded by the time. And so we're really focused on, on these numbers and what it does it for us. So I'm excited to be able to preach to you today on the Word of God. And so uh, we'll get to the Bible in a few, but I want to kind of give you uh, a little bit of an introduction by way of uh, a few things. Um, this is a quote, so I'm going to start. This is by Maya Moore, who plays for the Minnesota Lynx. She said this, My focus in 2019 will not be on professional basketball. But instead, it will be on the people in my family, as well as investing time in my ministry team that has been stirring in my heart for many years. I will certainly miss the day-to-day relationships with my teammates and basketball uh, basketball team this season, but it's a no for me for 2019 pro season. This allows me to say yes to my family and to my faith like I've never before. Maya, again, was a basketball player, professional basketball player in the WNBA. In Conroe, Texas, a former pastor is now helping women with the free auto repair service called God's Garage. This is in Texas, in a Texas city. He's helping single women and widows and military wives with their car troubles. After noticing that 
They were being taken advantage of, but disproportionately, he started this ministry. His father was an auto mechanic. His father was a helper. Anytime someone needed their car fixed, even if they were on the side of the road and he was dressed up, he would get out of his car and he would help them. And his son was not as well versed in that field. He picked up some trades, but he facilitated the opening up of this garage and leveraged his knowledge of, of the industry to create something for free where people can raffle cars off or just come and get a free car. In the spring uh, and summer of 2015, the Lord called me into full-time ministry. Everything about this call seemed unorthodox to me and to everyone else around me, including my wife. <laughs> uh, people doubted, they talked, they watched to see if I would fail. And I worked in a parole office, and the parole officers up to the commissioner were all like, what is he going to do? Does he have a job? Which is like this rumor going around our office. And I believe that I heard the Lord, and I could not bear the potential, bear the uh, potential regret of letting fear stop me from pursuing the call of God that I felt. I left my job and entered into the ministry. I'm so passionate about what we're talking about this morning because there's a great need in the kingdom for us to be more consoled, more concerned about soul winning rather than being successful by the world God. Many of us, not all of us, but many of us have forgotten that the, that the call to make disciples and what that requires of us. We are not, many of us are not radical enough, and to be honest with you, that's not radical to be a disciple-making Christian. That's basic, and many of us aren't basic. Okay. And I know that's tough. And I have this ministry, and I know why the Lord has given it to me. It's a soul-stopping ministry. So just, I've got big feet, and I just come to you up. So if it hits you today, just know it's hit me first, okay? And and if I need to just give one of the deacons my keys so I can be ready to go when I, it's all right. But it's, but here it comes that we are here to advance the kingdom of God in such a way that, that shows the supremacy of Jesus and the dominance of Christ despite the cultural influences around us. The church should be a beautiful thing. And we have forgotten sometimes that the goal is the soul. It's not big churches. It's people. It's soul winners. So let's go to our Bibles real quick. Let's go. If you have any copy of God's Word, whether it's digital or it's still one of these, I love these. I just want my students slapping me, but the battery's another one out. Okay? It's right here. Um, but pull out that copy of God's Word, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Okay? And I'll be reading from the CSB, whatever version you have, it's good as long as you read. Don't find us in Luke. You flip to Ephesians, it's good there. So bless you. All right. It reads like this. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake, and the fish and the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you 
Bible left down the men. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man. Lord, actually, I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all of those who were with him were amazed at this catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be here by the fire. God, thank you for those who stayed, because that's a real commitment today in Jesus. We pray, God, that we would be focused in God today, that the goal is souls. God, give us preaching power and preaching power and precision and clarity. I pray, God, you would just take our hearts and make them moldable clay right now. Because, God, we need to be always changed by you in a way that brings transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing I'd like to teach you, I'd like to teach a few things from the text that we can apply. So, okay? So I don't want to teach you everything with Bob and Gert, and if I don't have to, you know, kind of keep myself there, I'll tell you everything there is. But you don't need everything. You get everything with your TV. So, okay? Alright, so the first thing I'd like to teach you today is that Peter did not offer a rebuttal to Jesus' request to use the boat as a pulpit for preaching the word of God. He immediately did it. And I want to say this to you, that this was no easy task, because a lot of times when you read the Bible, you just feel like it didn't cost people something. Okay? This fishing boat was not your little dinghy. Okay? It wasn't this little boat. You know, it was a huge boat. It was like 20 to 30 feet long. Okay? Very wide boat. So for him to drop these huge nets that were used to catch fish as a business, He's an entrepreneur. This is a business. He's a business owner. It's a big boat, and they're washing these nets. They're done for the night. Like Jesus says, if you stop washing your nets, and you take those huge nets back in and put them back in the boat, and you take this huge boat back out into the water. Not a small task. Can anyone do boating? Because that probably just wouldn't be what you feel like doing after you just finish pulling on that. Right? It was inconvenient, but he doesn't offer a rebuttal. Okay? Inconvenience him, but didn't offer a rebuttal. Here it is, Peter surrenders his boat to the Lord for service. This means that there are times in our life where the Lord will require us to surrender things that we own for his glory. There'll be times where he calls us to take something in a situation that might even inconvenience us to serve him and to leverage an opportunity for his name. Right? And I just want you to see that very clearly, that that's what's happening in the text. He is a business owner, and he is using his business assets to promote the kingdom of God. He's using what God has given him to thrust forward the kingdom at Jesus' request. Second thing, Peter offers a rebuttal, though, when Jesus asks him to go deeper, right, and to let down his neck. Now, I won't spiritualize deeper, but sometimes we have a problem when the Lord asks us to go a little bit further. Have you ever been there? Jesus asked me, I'm cool with this level of faith, Lord. Jesus says, go deeper. You're like, I don't know. Have you ever been there before? Just be honest. Just, okay, we need honest people so we can all not wear the mask of dishonesty this morning. Okay, take it off so other people can be free. Okay, sometimes Jesus asks you to do stuff. He asks you to go deeper, and you're like, I don't know, because I barely can swim in this industry. 
Okay? And Jesus is like, you need to go deeper. Peter does not think it's going to work. But because Jesus asked him to, he does. Have you ever been that? I know all of the children in here who say amen. That when your parents ask you to do something, you don't always agree. But fear of punishment, you do it. Have you ever not? Have you ever done that? Okay. I've got a witness in here. We've all done things that we didn't want to do because someone else asked us to do them. And this time, he doesn't think it's going to work, but he is obedient enough to do it because Jesus asked him. Have you ever been there? Jesus, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but okay. Yes. All right. Number three. It's the catch of a lifetime, but Peter and his companions are more caught up with who Jesus is than what Jesus can do. Maybe. They bow at his feet. Peter drops to his feet and says, Man, fish are cool, but who is this guy? Obviously, he's God. Obviously, I'm sinful. I'm more excited about who's standing in front of me than what he just did. We have to have that heart as we go forward. We'll talk more about that. They are astonished at who Jesus is because he's been uncovered and un- unveiled before them. And in the presence of God, our sins are made bare. When we acquire an understanding of the holiness of God, it automatically shows us how unholy we are. And then it causes him to bow. Notice his vernacular changes throughout the text. In one place, he calls him master. After he sees his sinfulness, he calls him Lord. Right? Jesus is always master until you see how sinful you are. Then it brings you down in humility. We talked about last week, humility. And now you see Jesus raised up high as Jesus. He's not just a master of the Judeo faith as a rabbi. He is Lord of all. He is over everything. Fourth thing is Jesus hooked them through a demonstration of his power. Jesus' intent in this moment is multiplying himself. Jesus' miracles always have a message. Jesus' miracles always have movement toward getting people to come into closer relationship with him or calling them on mission. And here it is, Jesus reveals that he wants to bring more people into the work of fishing. For people, notice, if you notice, can you go there with me for a second? Because this is a Bible nerd thing I was talking about. If you go there, Jesus is fishing for men. His capacity is breaking. He's being pressed into the water. And he calls for other boatmen to help. Can you see it? He says, I'm reaching my capacity. I need to multiply myself. Any good leader in here is the best thing you can do is when you get to your capacity, multiply it. Don't just try to take it all by Jesus says, I need more people to join in on a mission with me. Let me bake them in their own vernacular. I do a miracle for fish, for fishermen. One that they can clearly understand that this has to be from God. And they come not to fish anymore, for fish, but for people. See, Jesus calls them into a greater service. Right? So I want to teach you a few things through the text so that we can apply them. Is that alright? Alright, I'm almost through, I promise. Here we go. And I really haven't been going that long. I actually listened to the time. So, we're good. Alright? Avengers was way longer. Okay? So you can start giving us some, some lessons from last year. Alright? So, the first thing here is that we can lend our platforms for Jesus' purpose. Everybody got me there? We can lend our platforms for Jesus' purpose. I want to say that it's the simplest thing, and I'm talking about complex, in terms of complexity, not effort. Right? It's the lowest, most immediate step that you can take as a believer to advance the kingdom of God. This merely requires...
requires that we let Jesus use the things that we already have mastery over, things that we have access to, control over, to bring other people in contact with the good news of, of the kingdom. It could be as simple as posting scriptures on our social media pages and not all the things we dislike. It could be uh, financially supporting a missionary who's going to a population that's in need of the gospel. All the way up to using your carpentry skills to build something in the trailer or to build a home for people on an orphanage in a foreign country on a mission trip. It could be creating a program to show teens how to change their tires in their car while building mentoring relationships. Right? It could be inviting your coworkers to gather with you at your home where you share your conversion testimony or even watching a movie that has a gospel message built into it. That's how easy it is to leverage and create, use the platform you already have to share the love of Jesus Christ and his message. Look, Peter wasn't even really a full-fledged disciple when he did this. He had just met Jesus a few times but he knew him. But he wasn't in a, a faith alone relationship with Jesus yet. He just knew him from around him. And he still obeyed Jesus because of who Jesus because of who Jesus was. Now the question is, who is Jesus in your life? Right? And if Jesus is already Lord in your life, then obeying him is like breathing. That's what Christians do. We obey Jesus. Being a disciple means that you follow his teachings and you obey his commands. Right? If you love me, what does he say? Keep my what? That's basic. Following Jesus' commands is not radical. That's just regular obedience. It's not even above and beyond. Here it is. That Jesus uses his company boat. I'm just contextualizing for you. Is that all right? He uses his company boat. Now, I'm not saying go and get your company boat today. But if you own that company and it's your boat, then you can do whatever you want with it because it's yours. He wasn't a part of a conglomerate company. He was a boat owner by himself. And he lended Jesus' his company boat to turn it into his pulpit. Your influence, your assets, your expertise, if you are kingdom-minded, has the potential to become a vehicle and a conduit for the spreading of the gospel. When you are truly kingdom-minded, you are looking for ways to redeem and to leverage what you have, what you know, who you influence for the cause of Christ. If we call ourselves disciples, it's the least that Denominational leader Ronnie Ford said this, each one of us has a platform, a platform God has given us for the purpose of sharing and explaining the, the gospel for Jesus. For some of us, the platform may appear to be small, and for others, it may appear to be big, regardless of the perceived platform of the, sorry, the perceived influence of the platform. With God involved, the perceived smallness can become great. Little is much when God is I don't care what it is that you have. You can leverage it. You can make it a platform and offer Jesus. And watch Jesus give you more. When you give Jesus the current platform, he'll always give more to those who are responsible with what they have. If you're waiting until you have more, you'll never give to God. Generosity is based on what one has, not on what one will have. If you want, if you have, Jesus had a parable where he gave people talents, he gave God one, he did nothing with it, he got nothing. He got that talent taken away from him. But blessed be the people who multiplied the talent that Jesus gave. That's what we're here to do. Make much of what God has done. Ask yourself this. What do I own? What do I control? Who do I influence? What do I have mastery over? Or 
What skills have you acquired in your time? Right? What can you do that no one else can do? And how are you leveraging that to bring other people to the kingdom of God? Right? How am I through? Am I willing to let Jesus commandeer my stuff for his glory? I love those I love those movies where the cops are chasing someone and someone gets in the car and they just stop at their back, they pull somebody out of the car and say, I'm commandeering this car. Right? We let Jesus just simply commandeer our stuff and say, God, you can have this. I know that in my life that I've been more blessed and acquired more things simply because everything I own, Jesus can have it. He will bless people who will give him the stuff. I'm not trying to warn with Jesus. Everything I own is available to the kingdom. Is that the camera? Yes, you can take pictures with the church. You bet. And I'm not charging you. It's my gift to the kingdom. Right? We all own something. I'm, dig deep. I mean, it could be a GoPro. I mean, it could be a GoPro, and now you're going to create little GoPro videos and walk into the church website. I mean, whatever it is, you can leverage it to help other people come in contact with it. So it's not even like taking an inventory. Do that right now. Just just inventory. You're like, God, what is it that I own, have access, mastery? I speak French. Okay, I'll fight some people speak French. I don't know how many French people are in Griswold, but maybe it'll be online. You know, whatever it is, I'm just saying, whatever it is, I do sign language. Okay, I'm going to start signing. You know, maybe we're going to offer that. Whatever that thing is, offer it to the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm a little passionate. I grew up Pentecostal, okay? Get out. All right. Should have brought a little rag to me. All right. Here's this. I like this quote. This is definitely tweetable. I thought about it when I was talking to a person. We're just like, yeah, it's good. Look. <laughs> when you do this, you do not lose anything, but rather use everything for the glory of God. So many of us are worrying about losing stuff. God says, no, I want to use stuff. Right? So it's like, okay, God's just saying, use it. Okay, you're not going to lose it. Use it. Okay? So here's it. I, I have built websites for churches, and I, I almost suck at it, but I know how to do it. Right? I've built websites for people. I'm, I'm doing a pastor's call in a few weeks to just share all the apps and all the websites I know that give away free stuff for pastors for their websites. Because I know one of the things that plagues us is how to get things done. So I'm trying to give that stuff away for free. Right? Because I want to help the kingdom move forward. Whatever I have. I purchased a truck. It's costing me so much of gas. But we needed to pull the ministry trailer. So we traded in the, the little Patriot uh, Silverados. You know? Um, <laughs> we started Bible studies at the parole office. Whatever you can do, leverage. Amen? Are you going to let Jesus come in here, your platform? Are you going to let Jesus use your assets, your expertise to build a platform for his ministry? The second thing is here. It's mission critical that we learn how to be compliant even when we're not convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to learn how to say, yes, God, even when I don't understand God. Is that all right today? God, I don't get it. I understand what you're saying. I don't understand how we're going to do that. And it's, it, it has to become a knee-jerk reaction to just start saying yes. It's dangerous, but yes. God, you're calling me into something? Yes. I don't get it, but yes. Compliance, even when you're not convinced. There'll be times in your life where you're called to serve the Lord in ways you receive instructions from the Lord that do not make perfect sense to you. Right? Instructions that are risky, seemingly late. Come on, have you ever been there with God with your work? That would have been a good word last week, Jesus. Really would have been a good word. Now I, I don't have the money. Now I don't have the, the platform. I got fired. It was a nice job. When I had a job, I, come on. Have you ever been there? I have. Man, come on. He calls me into fatherhood right after I leave my job. I was like, Jesus, this is weird. I, I need to, let's, let's, uh, connection. You need to download again because I'm, 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 did I hear you? Uh, 
Sometimes the word will seem counterintuitive, right? It will go against your secular education and training. People are like, no, if we're, at a, if we're at a seminar right now, he would not tell me to do that in my lunch. Come on. Every, if you meet with a financial strategist, he'll tell you to stop giving to the church. He would. She would. But that's not God's way. And aren't you more blessed because of your generosity than, than hoarding the things you hope? Come on. Talk to me in here. Right? It's, 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 it's these moments where we must remember a few things. Watch this. Jesus knows infinitely more than us. <laughs> okay? Our wisdom is foolishness to the Lord. If the Lord, if, watch this clause. Come on, theologian. If the Lord had a worse day, he would be infinitely better than us on our best. Infinitely. Second thing is this. Jesus is the Lord of every lane. Come on. When they called him master, they called him master because he was the rabbi. That's your lane. When they realized what he could do, they said, oh, you're Lord of every lane. Okay, cool. Right? You, you do everything. Okay, God. Okay. Praise God. Jesus reigns supreme over every, over every area, every context, every subject, every place, every region, every field, and every elemental force. If you can name it, he is Lord over it. And even if you can't, he is Lord over it. And that includes you. Third thing is that Jesus asks, what Jesus asks of you always is for the advancement of the kingdom, our conformity to his image, or the good of others. That's three good reasons to obey Jesus. His kingdom, your growth in him, and the growth of others. Always a good reason to obey Jesus. Last thing, and this is one of my favorites. Everything Jesus asks us to do, make if everything Jesus asks us to do made complete sense, would he be a God worth serving? Come on. If you could box him into your little mind, would he be worth serving now, giving up your life, some of the things you want to do, some of the things your flesh is calling for? If you can, if you can contain him, then he's really not God. You should be asking every now and again, God, please blow my mind. Please let it go beyond me because I know for sure if it's for your will and I can't receive it, it's probably you. Come on, that's good people. If you can contain everything God is saying, then he's not God worth serving. He's not certainly a God worth dying for and giving your life for. Because he's not bigger and better and greater than you. Hallelujah. These four truths are enough to make a rational, rational decision and to make our obedience unwavering when we don't understand what Jesus is saying or what, or we think, what we think that Jesus is saying won't actually work. Discipleship is about obedience. Jesus is not obligated to prove his, his superiority before you give him your trust. He's not obligated to show you everything before you say yes. He's not. He is Lord. He is sovereign. What he says goes, even if you don't like it. And today you got to ask yourself, am I comfortable with being compliant? Even when I'm not convinced that what you're asking of me is the right thing. Do, do I have to be compliant if you don't like it? Yes. Yes. Number three, God can use anyone who sees himself or, or herself for who God is as a sinner and sees God for who he is. God can use anybody who sees himself as a sinner. The toughest person to minister to is a person who cannot see their own but if you can see that you're a sinner and you look at your holiness and you can see that and you fall before his knees and beg his forgiveness and want to move away from him because of his holiness, Jesus says, no, 
come back. God, you need people to understand their sinfulness so they can understand their need for you. Right? And if you have that need, Jesus, can you say that to yourself? Do I see myself as a sinner? Do I see myself, do I be saved for 10 years? Do I see myself as a sinner who's in need of Jesus' grace to save? Do I see my unworthiness? And as I look at my unworthiness, as I look at him, do I just continue? Paul, Paul, as Paul grew, Paul just kept saying, I'm a sinner. You know, come on. Paul, was, Paul wrote two, two-thirds of the New Testament. And he says, I am the chief of sinners. Like, every day we ought to be reminded that he is holy and we are not. And that is the type of humility that Jesus will raise up in you. But fourth, this is my last point. We're going home. Yeah, it doesn't do that, right? I like it. Watch this. The catch will call some of us into a new vocation, but the catch calls all of us to prioritize the winning soul. The catch will call some of us into a new vocation of work because of souls, and for some of us, it will, re- it will reprioritize what we're doing in the same job and souls to work. And that's, let me explain that to you. Let me The miracle of the fish was never meant to propel their careers. Hear me. And for them, it was the most successful day of their fishing career. Can you believe it? Can you see it? But we're out here. It's, it's, it's everything about what happened, what's happening right now is against the grain. Like, we were supposed to fish at night in the Sea of Galilee because those fish are very evasive there. Um, we fish at night so they can't see our nets. And when we fish all night and we sleep during the day. We work the graveyard shift out there in the water and just let you know, don't bring me on the boat in the middle of the water with no lights. I'm not good. I don't want to fish out here. You can't see. They only have moonlight. Can we get there? Can we see it? It's just pitch black. I'm good. Like, how can you even see the fish? I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? Just whatever. I don't know. Candle lights probably would have done. But I don't want to be there. <laughs> and the Sea of Galilee is huge. <laughs> like, I'm good. <laughs> no life sex. I'm straight. I'm so good. And, and, so, and so they're out there. And, and, and the greatest fish, and they, they work all night, and the moment they get Jesus, right, it takes seconds. During the day, everything about this is parallel. If you look at the Bible, because Jewish writers, they love to use parallelism. Right? So they'll show you, like, all day, all night, it took very long, very quick in the morning with Jesus, no Jesus, right? So everything is, 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 is opposite to an extreme of each other. And here it is, they catch all of this fish, and, and, and they, 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 they fall at Jesus' divinity, they see that, and they leave their former vocation behind. Catch of the, of the lifetime. And they bring the boat, and watch this, in the beginning of the text, when they were watching their nets, their boats were still kind of in the water. There's a water edge. When they're done with the boats, they push the boats all the way on land, and they don't take one piece of fish with them. They're done with fishing. They leave the nets. It's like, I have left, anybody seen uh, Benghazi, 13 hours Benghazi? The boys were waiting at the airport, and young two kids came up from the, from the 17, was like, we have your car? They were like, yeah, and they just took out the car. They're like, just like that. It's like, we're leaving them because we're done, 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 done with them. We're not coming back to this location. And sometimes the Lord's call is like that. I was working as, as a, 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 a behavioral health clinician, and the Lord said, you're done with that. We did great work there. We did a rising in my profession. I was on my way to, to become a, a level two clinician in my facility. God says, that's it. You're done. Here's a new profession. The goal is completely sold for you. You're going to win souls and train other people to win souls. Right? He calls me completely away from that, that, that job and occupation. 
the Lord always costs, will call some of us slightly closer in service so that we can serve the body from within. We train support systems and individuals who make disciples who make disciples. But for all of us, our occupations and our other endeavors take the back seat to the mission of God, redeeming fallen humanity. We are called, no matter our job, no matter our skill set, no matter what career we had, or our personality, ethnicity, background, or context, to make disciples who make disciples. I want to say this to you. The summit of our lives is no longer success as the rest of mankind would perceive it. But now success is winning souls. Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. Now the perspective is this. Here's the idea. Participating in the things of God is our highest aspiration. It's what we're called most to do. The big idea for us today is this. The call, the text, is not the call. And the text is not the climax. It's the call. I don't know where God has been showing himself mighty in your life. I don't know what has been advancing to you, where he's been speaking the vernacular of your particular language, asset, skills, whatever that uh, thing is. Believe you on me, God is not blessing you in the secular so you can go deeper in that. He's not opening those doors so you can just go deeper and, and get hired to come to Fortune 500 or make the 40 by 40 list or whatever it is. He's calling you to a deeper appreciation and a deeper commitment to reaching souls. That's what he's doing. For some of you, it's going to be a different occupation because here's the idea. I was talking to a football player. I get to do that as a college captain. Um, his name is Jimmy Green. And he's an NFL football player for the Cleveland Browns. And a few years ago, he won, ran a touchdown at the end zone that put the Browns into the playoffs. Miracle in and of itself, right? Anybody watch the Browns play? Okay. And so, uh, <laughs> come on. And, and here's, here's what happens, right? Jimmy gets into the end zone. I mean, he's dodging tackles. It's one of the longest returns, right, of NFL history for the Browns. And he gets to the end zone, and he goes, you know, spice the ball here. Still incredible. He got to the summit, the apex of his career, playing football all of his life. And he thought, man, if I could just get that one winning touchdown and send my team to the playoffs, it'll make me whole. He got there. And he realized that football wasn't the climax. That touchdowns in an important game was not the pinnacle of his life. It was a fall summit. Jimmy quit playing football. Now he is working with USA, Youth USA, going around the world, speaking to college campuses, receiving athletes, going many souls to the Lord. And I'm talking about people walking away from millions of dollars, millions of dollars, just for the opportunity to tell people to tell other people. What will you leverage? Oh, Monday morning, start leveraging. I mean, tonight, you can start brainstorming. Now, what can I do? What do I have access to that no one else has? What do I have mastery of? What about you? You know, what, what, what can I, what, what do I know how to do? Who do I know that I can help bring more glory to Jesus? You understand this? Jesus is the next. Throw out Jesus. Jesus is catching people with the word of God. 
from his nets were breaking because people want to hear the word. There are people, what we need to do today, church, is understand what aspects of the word of God our culture is so hungry for. And we will find out that these people in this house, the souls of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you, God, that you call us into deeper service. Thank you, God, that you push us out even sometimes to see the shallow end of it. God, you don't make those things. You call us into deeper things. And sometimes you call us into things that we can't quite understand. God, help us to comply in even when we're not doing Lord, help us to see our own sinfulness. Never to get to the point where we think that we are somehow made in some kind of morality. God, lastly, God, would you help some of us today to feel this call? Turn their heart to feel that you're calling them away from their secular job secular occupation. You're saying, Jesus, come. Jesus is saying, come close to me. Come serve my church. Come do that full time. I don't know what God has for you, but then there's some of you in here today who God is saying, you need to reevaluate. You need to reprioritize winning souls right here and now. God, you didn't save that place. Would you infect that place with the gospel for my glory? God, I'm asking you today would you help all of us to see the real climate Thank you.